Good evening and welcome to the Yotes Alive podcast. I'm Pastor Nick and I am joined by a very special guest. Uh, this guest is uh, someone I affectionately refer to as the boss lady. Uh, she gets to make decisions about where I live and where I move. And so I try to treat her with the utmost respect. Otherwise, I don't get one of those phone calls that says, congratulations, you're going here. So uh, I'm, again, I'm joined with uh, Reverend uh, Dolores uh, Williamson. We call her Reb D. Uh, she is the district superintendent of the Salina District and is and serves in the Great Plains Conference. So welcome to the podcast this Thank evening. Thank you, Pastor Dick. Yeah, this is exciting. And the bishop sends you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, she's got the ear of the bishop, I hear. But I'm so excited that you've come on the podcast and uh, for the Kansas Wesleyan Campus Ministry family to get to know you and and see your face. Thank you. Because you're on campus, right? I am on campus. My uh, office is down in Pioneer Hall, just almost directly across from the music room, those double doors. Oh, so you get to hear the music practice and all that? Absolutely. The singers and the drummers and the trumpeters (laughs) and the violinists and everything. That is everything. Oh, so (laughs) it's great. So, students, faculty, alumni, if you see uh, Reverend D on campus, uh, make sure you say hi and connect with her because uh, she's going to share with us a little bit about her story, her call story. Uh, we're going to ask her questions about uh, her favorite scripture and Bible verse. Uh, we're also going to ask her questions about what her future goals are. And finally, we're going to finish up with uh, what would you say to someone who's considering uh, ministry as a vocation uh, in the future? So the first question I'm going to ask you is, is what is your favorite scripture, Bible verse, chapter, story? Uh, where, take it where you want. Okay, so what is okay. what, what moves you in scripture? I have, I have a lot of favorites, so I don't think I can just pin down one. But one uh, that I recall uh, from many years ago. Uh, when I threw my Bible down on the floor because I couldn't figure out what to read, it popped open in Psalms. And I can't remember if it's Psalms 36 or 34, verse 8. Okay. And it talks about how God will lead you and guide you with his eye. And so when I read that, I was like, oh, this is cool. What and then a moment. It said, just... Yeah, it just popped open <laughs> and, it, and it says, I will instruct you, instruct you on the way to go. Oh. And that one just hit my soul, and it just kind of took off from there. Oh, because how many times have we done that in our life where we go down? I uh, know. It's like you don't know where right to begin. The, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like <laughs> just shake it like this and then just drop it. You know? and, and, and how God sometimes yeah. works through that. Yeah. Like it's the, like a magnifying glass. It's like, oh. oh. Like this, oh it's amazing how the Holy Spirit yes. will show up in, yes. in our ignorance, right? Yes, you yes. Know? absolutely. Because <laughs> like, you know, all these years later today, you would go, I would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, drop the Bible. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get in trouble. And then oh. another one is uh, uh, Psalms. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, Proverbs. Uh, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thine own understanding, mm-hmm. but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. And so that's, I think... Proverbs 3, oh. somewhere. So. So, so if you can define that, trust in the Lord with all your heart, how would that look like for mm-hmm. you? Yeah, it's, it's that whole trust factor, right? Yeah. And uh, it's like, okay, so what do I trust God with other than the things I don't know? Mm. You know, or the things that maybe give me the most anxiety or fear or make your heart jump? You uh-huh. know, it's like if I just trust God in that moment, it's going to be all right. Yeah. And so that's kind of where... Oh. 
Where and it, it, is, it, it takes that me. concept of leaning on, not on your own understanding. Right, yeah, and that I don't have all the answers, yeah. but God has an answer. And somehow. embracing God in the unknown. Yes. I think that is one of the yeah. markers of uh, a mature faith. Yes. Is when we yes. enter into that phase yeah. where we can trust God in the right. unknown. Right, Because it's easy to trust God in things we understand. Right. Or the right. things we've seen over right. and over and over right. again. Yeah, but, and, and if we trust, if we can take that moment mm-hmm. and go back to when God led us through something, we yeah. say, well, I can trust God because God got me through that before yeah you know if we look yeah. back and remember you and ran that race forward. before yes yeah oh goodness yes. so you are the district superintendent of the yes. salina district um and now what local churches have you served mm-hmm. so um i have served in this district mm-hmm. at uh, mentor united methodist church mm-hmm. uh, it's just three miles south of walmart Oh. Uh, on right on 81 and there's this little unincorporated town called Mentor so I served there full time okay. uh, from 2007 to 2010 and then they added a church that was right here in Salina Quail United Methodist Church it was an African American United Methodist Church but it has since closed it closed in 2011 after I had left okay. prior to that I was in Topeka uh, at Highland Park United oh. Methodist Church half time yeah. Yeah, where Scott's from. <laughs> yes, right. yes. I served there for about five years on most while I was going through seminary okay. at St. Paul, and so I had a halftime appointment there. And then uh, I went in 2010 to t- 2014. I served at Independence First yeah, in Southeast, Southeast Kansas. Kansas, down now, there, the I'm Go a, Bulldogs. I'm a Red Raven, so I played college football at Coffeeville. So, yeah, you the know, Pirates. We, yeah, we know that rivalry really well. Yes, yes. So I was down there for four great years, too. Uh-huh. And then I was called uh, by the then bishop, uh, mm-hmm. Scott Jones, to serve on the uh, conference uh, cabinet. And so I started serving on the Great Plains when we came together, uh, cabinet. Uh, in 2014. So you've had quite a few years of this nomad lifestyle. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, yes. How does that sit with your soul, knowing that you've been like all these different places in this short amount of time? You know, I like variety. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's never a dull moment. Yeah. It's never boring. You get to meet so many uh, lay people, mm-hmm. uh, pastors, and people who are, you know, answering that call to ministry, and you just get excited about them. Yeah. getting started just like when you got started and everything so it's been it's been great you know it is very nomadic no i, I believe that is the blessing and the curse of this lifestyle mm-hmm. it's the blessing of you know you get to meet new people you get to see new environments you get you constantly have new hills to climb and challenges Absolutely. and things before you but the hard the heartache of it is is that we've left behind a lot of friends yes. and loved ones Absolutely. in this lifestyle and it just each time is yeah, it makes your heart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the joy is in this social media driven world mm-hmm. that we can stay connected even after. Yes, you yes. Know? And so I can still check in on some friends and you know see how they're doing and the children. Oh my goodness, that yeah. I've baptized or seen in youth ministry are now grown adults or having their own families or little ones are now going to first grade and second grade from six years ago. Oh. And so still being able to say, oh, yeah, oh. I remember. You know, it's like, oh, they were just a little tiny baby. I got to baptize them. Look at her now. She's, a, she's like a power, powerhouse kindergartner. Oh. It's just, just great. One of the things I love about the Methodist tradition is that most of the clergy in the United Methodist Church uh, have a past life or past profession. You know, a lot of us <laughs> yes. in, in this business are second career yes. people. Uh, you know, like myself, I was a high school football and wrestling and uh, and track coach and I taught and I coached right. college so I did all these things in that life before so what was your life before ministry oh, yes yes it was interesting 
I was in the Kansas Army National Guard. Okay. And I served in the National Guard for 22 years. And I worked full-time for the National Guard uh, from, I think it was about 1988 to 2002. Oh, wow. No, 2003, when I entered my call to ministry. And so I served as a not only a weekend warrior, uh, mm. but I was also the supervisor for accounting for the whole state. And I worked at the United States Property and Fiscal Office in Topeka. Wow. And so uh, that was my, my life and career. And I worked, I think, about 13 and a half or 13 years yeah. for them before I answered the call uh, to go into full-time ministry. So. And trust me when I say, she leads like a military leader. <laughs> and so uh, we're, um, thank you for your service for well, our thank country. You. I really appreciate it. Thank that. you so much. So how did you answer that call? What, is oh. that, what does that transition look like? Yeah, you know, uh, I think we all have a call, you know, from very beginning, even as children, we just don't recognize it and stuff. And, um, you know, as life happened, because life will happen to you, it'll just happen, <laughs> right? And you kind of figure things out as you go. And uh, But while I was in the uh, National Guard, uh, I began to have this strong desire to serve in my local church. I grew up United Methodist. Oh, okay. And so... Um, we had a, a new minister that came to be the pastor at our church, and I got involved with uh, outreach ministry with children. Mm. And so we had this great program called Friday Fun Night. And so we would have 50 kids from the inner city of Topeka, as much nice. as inner city as you can call it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was great. And so I got into writing grants to oh, wow. help this program along. And we were writing uh, grants at the time when the weed and seed projects were happening because they were uh, targeting some of the poorer communities to get kids off the street because they had become zero tolerance, which meant that if you were acting out in the community, there was zero tolerance. And so these mm -hmm. kids would get in trouble. And wow. so we were targeting kids that didn't have a place to go as well as those kids who were in foster care so that they would have something on a Friday night to keep them out of trouble. Yeah. And so as I got involved with that, with the children, um, and with the writing the grants, we started getting these grants. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting, because it was a lot of work getting those grants. Oh, yeah. But uh, we got not only grants from the city of Topeka, but we also got grants from the United Methodist, from the General Board of Global Ministry. And so during this time, I began to fill this powerful pool into ministry with it's uh, like a vacuum isn't it? yeah it was like a vacuum yeah and then one little girl came uh by me one day because they knew i was running a tight ship to get them on the bus so we could go skating and everything <laughs> and she brought a little friend with her and as i was walking by because we were trying to get these 50 kids and we had maybe two or three adults we didn't have a lot of help right yeah. on the bus that we oh, had bought boy. this rickety raggedy bus uh -huh. and uh, so the little girl walks by and she yelled at her well she said to her little friend she goes hey you don't you don't want to get next to her because she's close to the pastor and when she said pastor mm. i heard pastor pastor it was like an echo chamber oh wow and i was like i think i'm called to be a pastor it's crazy <laughs> so, how god speaks yeah, to us in the ordinary yeah yeah and so then it just kind of oh. shot off from there and i i begin the process oh what a incredible story <laughs> yeah, my goodness it, it's crazy out of the, it's one of those moments that out of the mouth of babes yes you know that, that God can speak to us through those yes. unconventional mm -hmm. means but in the completely normal means of, of everyday life yes I think yes. that's a fascinating aspect of the way yeah. God and the Holy Spirit works on earth yes yeah, definitely so Absolutely. you know we're uh, unfortunately in the midst of a pandemic oh, <laughs> or yes. you know or each of our 
church leadership and, and all around is feeling this level of stress. Mm-hmm. Our students are feeling a level of stress of being, you know, quarantined at home, not being here on campus. Everything's just a bit wonky right now. Yeah. Um, where, where do you see the church going in the future? Uh, you know, especially in the United Methodist denomination where we have the great conflict that, that we're working through. Um, but where, where do you see, as you, as you forecast the, the future of the church, uh, where do, what do you see? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll speak on the, uh, for the United Methodists. Um, I see this as a great wake-up call, mm-hmm. uh, as a great awakening, you know, like we're revisiting history again. You know? Yeah. Uh, and that God is calling us to extend ourselves in a new, but not so new kind of way, mm-hmm. you know, to reach out to people with the gospel, because that's what it's all about, you know, Amen. and that uh, we are going to have to work a little harder because I know pastors are already working hard and stressed uh, with the media platforms from Zoom to Facebook Live. But this is the grand opportunity to really reach out in, a, in, in an evangelistic way mm. so that the good news is preached. Absolutely. You know? And so I see the United Methodist Church hopefully using this as a springboard uh, to catch fire, mm-hmm. kind of like our theme for annual conference this year, to catch fire mm-hmm. uh, so that people will be revitalized. Yeah. in their spirits and in their souls and that it's you know it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can even be revitalized Amen. You know? and preach. I think that this is kind of a new kind of Pentecost in a sense we're coming mm. up on Pentecost right yeah, yeah. you know and Jesus said stay in the city until your power comes right so Woo! you gotta stay in the city yeah. until your power comes and, and we already know that the power is here that's right you know and we just need to grab hold of it and, and let it take us along but be very intentional about what we're doing even post pandemic because mm-hmm. this is something that shouldn't stop amen you know Absolutely we've got agree. to keep this going yeah eventually we'll get back to our places of worship but it's also telling us that the church can be the church outside the walls of the church that's true amen, amen. and so you know whether you're zoom meeting facebook bible studying or mm-hmm. or youtube uploading worship services we need to keep that movement going and we need to empower our laity yeah. to take that on so that we can continue to be strategic and plan mm-hmm. and evangelize and help others come along. Yeah, you know, this because this is a new church. Absolutely, in a sense. You yeah, know, you so. know, for so long we've put all of our eggs in the Sunday morning at ten thirty yes. basket. Yes, is that you know the the health, well being, and vitality of the church was judged on that number you entered on vital signs for. Yes. you know, and yes. it's just not an accurate depiction of what a church is doing. No, and this has been this is once that um, you know that that grand thing has been in a sense removed. Mm-hmm. You know, where does the church go from here? Right. You know, right. And, and so I think what churches are learning is that, yes, Sunday morning content is important. Right. But how do we disciple our laity and how does the laity disciple uh, their fellow laity Monday through Sunday? That's right. That's and right. I think that's, to me, that's been the biggest transition. Absolutely. Is that the church is no longer just responsible for content on Sunday morning. Right. Now the church is responsible for content Monday through Sunday. Right. right. And, and our people... Uh-huh are engaged in it. Absolutely. They're more engaged right now than I've seen in years. Yeah. You know, and and to me, it breaks my heart that it took a pandemic for the church to move out in 1950. Yes, absolutely. You know, so I'm excited. I am too. As a church person. I I think the future of our church is healthy. That that, that we're moving in a place, you know, kind of that post-World War II, post-9-11, all these, you know, these, these tragedies. Yes. In a sense, people return to the root. 
Absolutely. And so I think we're seeing that in the right. church right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so I think it's important as we as United Methodists mm-hmm. capitalize on that. Absolutely. Because now is the time and this is the place. Absolutely. You know? And, uh, you know, you look at Isaiah and I think, it, I can't remember, you know, I'm, I'm getting bad. On my, I'm getting old, right? <laughs> so I don't remember addresses very well. But, you know, it says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? Are we not perceiving what God is just throwing in our laps? Yeah. You know, uh, to help the future of the good news mm-hmm. go forward, regardless of where where you are. It's about the good news. It's about, you know, preaching to the poor and to, you know, uh, giving sight to the blind and setting the captive free. You know, Absolutely. we have people captive for so long. Yeah. Now they have an opportunity to be free. And can we keep pushing that forward? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah I get excited oh, I'm, about I'm what pumped. we can do now and where we can go. And, yeah. And, and now General Conference has been pushed back another year. It's been postponed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, postponed. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, just will you give kind of give a general description of what's happening at General Conference mm-hmm. and what your role in that is? Right. Yes. Yeah. So I was uh, at the 2019 um, uh, annual conference. I was elected um, to the delegation mm-hmm. as a, one of the clergy of the seven. We have seven and then we have reserves. And so we have a pretty good sized delegation in the in the Great Plains. So I'm just one of many. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. Uh, of course, it was postponed from Minneapolis this year uh, in uh, May mm-hmm. to, I think they're thinking later next year sometime. I know there's some tentative dates out there, but I don't know yeah. what they have actually decided yet. Mm-hmm. And so this is the uh, kind of like the legislative body or the lawmaking body of the United Methodist Church. And what's on the horizon is the continued debate of the human sexuality question. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, Currently, we are postponed, but uh, quite a few uh, annual conferences and agreed to uh, put a, what do they call it? Moratorium. Moratorium yeah. on anything happening around that issue. So, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, the protocol is out there. All that information is out there for people to read uh, about possibly uh, the church splitting, in a sense, is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, an amicable uh, split yeah. uh, with a new Methodist uh, denomination and the United Methodist denomination. And so uh, that's the legislation that is currently out there uh, called the protocol. Mm-hmm. And so it's a pretty dense document. Oh, uh, Lord have it's mercy. pretty dense legislation. Yeah. Uh, however, it is a way for the church to uh, settle Mm-hmm. This debate around human sexuality that seems are you to hopeful keep for the future? I am very hopeful for the future. You know, I uh, I know of some churches that are disaffiliating with mm-hmm. the United Methodist Church, and I'm hopeful for those who oh, disaffiliate, yeah. and I'm hopeful for those who stay yeah. within the denomination. And so, um, it has been, and I'm going to say this: it has been um, with the COVID nineteen mm-hmm. uh, pretty silent about the issues of human sexuality. Yes. And I thought to myself, hmm, what does this mean? I know it's going to come back, mm-hmm. but look what we've been look doing. Look what we can do. Look what we've been focusing <laughs> on beside yes. that one thing. Yes. You know, there are so many other issues to, to deal with that mm-hmm. we, we need to deal with right now. Absolutely. And so uh, it is hopeful that, you know, with this postponement, um, I don't know what's going to happen, what other information is going to come out between now and then. Uh, that we'll have to consider as delegations across the, you know, the mm-hmm. denomination. But, 
you know, I am praying for a hopeful future that we can be about making disciples of Jesus Christ, that we can be out there preaching the good news and that we'll be a church of courage, Yes. you know, and that we'll deal with not just one issue, but all issues, Amen. you know, and that we'll have the courage to step up and, and say something. You know, they say, if you see a crime, yeah. you know, say something, you yeah. know, you know, if there's crimes going on within the church, you know, and the, how we are responding to one another, not as our neighbors, then we need to be saying something about right. that. Yeah. And we need to lead the charge, not just this, with one issue, but all the issues, whether it's racism, mm -hmm. uh, human sexuality question, whether it's gender inequality mm -hmm. and anything else, the marginalized or marginalized, those who are deaf, you know, can't hear, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where are they at? You know, those yeah. who don't have sight, you know, where are they, you know, being in our youth and our young people and mm -hmm. our young adults who have a lot to say and have leadership capabilities they need to be a part of this conversation yeah. and we need to start pulling people into the table and if, and like Shirley Chisholm said if if they don't if, if they don't invite you to the table bring a folding chair that's right that's right you know, and, so, and, and sit at the table and really so go back to, to really living into that. our baptism vows yes uh, resisting uh, yeah. you know injustice and yes. oppression whatever yes. forms yeah. they present so I hope that this gives you know the you know that we can move forward, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in such a way that respects one another, yeah. re regardless if we agree or not. Amen. You know, that Amen. we can treat each other uh, with kindness. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the thing is, do no harm. Yeah. You know, but let's move on as brothers and sisters of, of Christ and, yeah. and do what God has called us to do. One of my favorite pictures is the one, I think it's painted by Norman Rockwell, and it has a picture of, all these different kind of people. There's the, the farmer, the Muslim, the Hindu, the child, uh, uh, someone who's black, someone who's Asian, someone who's Hispanic on this picture. And it's, um, I forget what it says, is do unto others. I think yeah, that's yeah. what it says. That's one of my favorite pictures. And that's what I want to see the, the church as, as Amen. a community of people, the beloved community mm -hmm. that will come together and not harm one another. So Yeah, yeah. unity throughout our diversity. That's I right. I mean, this is a beautiful that's concept. Right. And I think that's, you know, we look at the people who Jesus kept rounding. Yes. It absolutely. was a diverse cast of characters. Oh, yeah, they were diverse, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. And so I, think I that, identify with Peter. That's right. <laughs> So I think I think that that cast of characters yes. uh, is supposed to represent yes. what the church is supposed to look like. Yes. So you have some big uh, goals in your future. Uh, one, <laughs> I, I, I'm so excited that that uh, I get to, to to speak with today yeah. potentially a, a future bishop. So we talk a little Amen. bit about your process of, of what you're going <laughs> yes. through right now. Yeah. So it is quite an interesting process. Um, I. I have um, sought the uh, endorsement of the delegation. I'm also on the delegation for the Great Plains mm -hmm. uh, because you could uh, you need an endorsement yeah. from your delegation to be, uh, in a sense, confirmed. Mm -hmm. You know, as someone who the conference knows that is a a good candidate uh, for the episcopacy. So I was endorsed by the Great Plains Annual Conference. Uh, so uh, you know, at first, you know, I. You know, I did not get on the delegation for that purpose, mm -hmm. but when the opportunity opened up, you know, it's like, well, what would it look like if I just put my name in the hat? Yeah. And, you know, that process for me was a long process because I put my name in and then I took it out. I put my name in and then I took it out. Did the hokey and I put, with yeah, it, and then I just turned it all about. <laughs> and then finally one day, you know, I had, uh, I had uh, 
listen to Dr. Emily Towns from Vanderbilt. Uh-huh. There was a video on her preaching, and she says this in her, her sermon. She says, hope resides in the dark. You keep watching, you keep waiting, you keep working, but you don't never give up. Mm. And I had given up too soon when I had pulled my name out for the third time. Yeah. And so I was like, by golly, I heard that today. And so I put my name back in. All right. And I was like, just let it ride. And as soon as I did that, I could sleep. It was almost like the princess and the pea. You know, that story where, Uh you know, you're on this mattress and you're just flipping and flopping. All because this little bit of pea was underneath her mattress. She couldn't sleep until... You know, she finally answered. So, um, so uh, when I answered, I ended up having to answer some questions from the delegation, and they interviewed me on November fifteenth. I'll never forget the day. Uh-huh. And uh, so I went in. It's like, hey, you know, there's other candidates that mm-hmm. would be great. Yeah. And um, so uh, I ended up being the uh, candidate that they uh, endorsed. Others had pulled out for other particular reasons, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so. Uh, I was like, hey, well, I, you need so many to be endorsed, and they endorsed me. And when I came back in the room, they said, well, D, and I was looking, I was like, okay, well, you know, I was preparing myself for, you know, eh, whatever. Uh-huh. And they said, well, we're going to endorse you. And I was like, it's getting real. It got silent. <laughs> and I was like, I turned around and said, am I in the right group? And I was just so blessed by them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the confidence in me. I have the confidence from them and that has built my confidence in this process. And so I also uh, received an endorsement through the South Central Jurisdiction Women's Leadership Team. Amen. And so that happened in December on the 5th. And so ever since then, I've been just working away, just, you know, learning, uh, observing and uh, reading and preparing. And so uh, in February of this year uh, in Oklahoma City, the South Central Jurisdiction met to interview all six candidates. There are six candidates in the South Central Jurisdiction. There are four women and two men that are putting themselves in for to be used in the episcopacy mm-hmm. and so we had a round robin of interviews oh, it was like speed dating yeah. <laughs> and it was like 11 interviews and yeah. i did not have to interview with uh, my own delegation because uh, they had already interviewed me and said oh we're not gonna interview you again mm-hmm. and i i went in there telling myself i'm just gonna have fun doing this yeah. it's, it's like you know, Lord, use me wherever you want to use me, whether mm-hmm. it's in the episcopacy, uh, in the district, in the conference, in the local church. Just use me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm here to be used. You know, I have so much to to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the Lord has given me life, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to be used until I can no longer breathe on this side of life. That's right. You know? And so um, did the interviews and I had a blast. Yeah. You know? And I was like, you know, you get me, this is what you get, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like. You know, it was just great just getting to know uh, clergy and uh, laity from other annual conferences and just seeing faces and knowing that these are people that I'm going to get to serve with at general conference and learn some more and possibility of going into the episcopacy. I mean, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. And, you know, this is also a testimony to my grandchildren. I have five grandchildren, Mm -hmm. three girls and two boys and two little twin boys that are uh, fraternal twins. And the girls are that one just turned five, the other one turns four tomorrow, then there's one that'll turn three, and then the 15-month-old twins, right? And so uh, when I look at my grandchildren who are are cross-racial, their mom's white, and their son looks just like me. My son looks just like me. He does. We look just alike. I'm a girl. You know, he's the guy, you know. He's a football player. Yes, right. You know, and stuff. Um, But... um, 
when I think of them, I want them to know that your granny hmm. tried to make a difference. That's right. You know, and that you can try anything you want. You can you can put yourself in for something, mm-hmm. regardless. You just got to believe in yourself. And so just believe in yourself and just know that Granny's trying to say, "Hey, give it a shot." You never know what could happen. Look what yeah. happened for your Granny. Oh, what you a know? great and that's so, so that's a testimony for my grandchildren that I want, and I want them to see a church that is there to help celebrate their gifts and graces and to uh, believe in them and give them opportunities. There's school opportunities. Oh my goodness, so many school opportunities and scholarship opportunities and those types of things, you know, in the Methodist church. And I'm like, hey, and you can celebrate your your gifts and talents and graces in the United Methodist Church, there is a place for you. That's you right. know, and, and Granny's here to let you know there is a place That's for you. Right. You know, so there's a place for you too. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I will finish with this last question. Um, again, one of our goals in campus ministry is mm-hmm. to take students or people who are considering a call into ministry and help foster that, help encourage and, and uh, give direction. Uh, so the last question I'm going to ask is what would you say to a person that is considering a call into ministry. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Trust that God has you, that you have what you need right now, you know, and uh, work with Pastor Nick and Pastor Scott over here at Campus Ministry and, and give it a shot. You know, uh, God is with you and God has already prepared you and equipped you for what you need to do in life and and make sure that whatever you do is, is what you are passionate about. You know, Amen. answer the call. And and God will never drop you. There's a scripture that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I'm a testimony to that. God will not leave you or forsake you. God will always be with you. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, this is exciting. Uh, again, uh, this is the Yotes Alive, the Monday Night Alive uh, podcast. And we're excited that you joined us today. If you have any follow-up or any questions about uh, potentially starting the process of, of, of going into the ministry, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, we're all here to talk to uh, to talk to you. And again, if you see uh, Reverend D on, on campus, say yes. hi and engage. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time.